Hi, everyone. Welcome to Refine and Grow with Justin and Lindsay. My name is Lindsay Allen. And my name is Justin Euler, and this is your podcast for proven strategies on navigating and managing work life. So as Lindsay pointed out when we got done recording episode one, I bled a little bit into kind of the protege conversation. We'll kind of launch from there, and that's identifying that person who you think is going to be a good fit as a mentor. It's one thing to want to be a mentor, but I really think it's incumbent upon a person who wants to be mentored to really select the right person, to really be thoughtful about who they want. I think there are a couple of factors that I've observed in folks looking for a mentor that I think we want to stay away from. So first of all, I would just say, oftentimes we are drawn to the person who has high level of gravitas, has a magnetic personality, if you will. And typically people that we see as really successful, outwardly successful as folks that we want to learn from, grow from, because clearly they've done something or are doing something that we admire and want to reflect in our own careers. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's in a way, it's who we want to be. I think that can be fine. That, that can work out really well. But if that's what's driving us to them is simply the fact that they have that magnetism or that gravitas, or they're just happen to be successful, you potentially set yourself up to be really disappointed just because they do something well, or because they have a magnetic personality or because they have a lot of gravitas does not necessarily mean that they're good at listening, good at asking questions, or really good at, at giving advice. When you're thinking about who you want to be mentored by, it's easy to get distracted by the shiny dangly object in front of you. I and mean, I just want to say that's probably not the best selection criteria for picking a mentor. So when I look back at some of the most effective mentors that I've had in my career, they're actually the folks that don't necessarily stick out in a crowded room. Sometimes they're the folks that are actually the wallflowers. They're usually deep thinkers that are thoughtful, considerate, and they're folks that when you observe them, to put it another way, you actually have to observe them to really see the goodness that they produce. Oftentimes, they're usually not the first folks to say something or provide input. So they're not the folks that are the first ones to give the great advice that we should all listen to. They're usually the folks that are observing, listening, and then asking good questions. And that's not just as a mentor, but that's just how they show up as a human being in whatever context they're in. So identifying that mentor is really important. Stay away from the shiny dangly object. I'm not saying they're all bad. I'm just saying it's easy to get sucked in by those folks and they're not necessarily going to be the folks that are really going to be invested in you and invested in the relationship. One of the things that I like to do when I'm selecting a mentor is I just like to ask other people, you know me, you know where I'm at. Who would you recommend to be a good mentor? Asking a supervisor or a leader, helping them to make that connection, and then just being willing to make a mistake and maybe choose a bad mentor. It's a great way to learn is by picking a bad one, right? We, you know, we, we talked about last time that difference between situational coaching and that more removed strategic mentorship, if you will, or they just have more standoff. Where I've experienced some of the worst mentoring in my life, the worst coaching in my life was from those supervisors who were... <laughs> who were just horrible leaders and managers. Yeah. And that really gave me a template for what to avoid. If you're not sure what you want, figure out what you don't want. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. I mean, you have to be able to clearly articulate why you chose the mentor you chose and what you intend to learn from them. 
And if you can't do that, you probably need to reflect a little bit more on who the mentor should be. But I know for me, pick somebody who I thought was really good at that skill set that I was trying to acquire, or I would just find someone who I thought did well at their job, but their approach, like I had had some exposure to them and their approach was totally and completely different than mine. I thought it can't hurt for me to be able to have multiple different approaches to solving problems that work well. There's always multiple paths to a solution or a desired outcome. And if you're always taking the same path, maybe a mentor who consistently takes a different path than you would have thought of would be a good fit for you. Yeah, I I think you bring out a really good point there. And that's to use the Simon Sinek question, which is really not original, but he gets a lot of credit for it and made a lot of money publishing a book. So there you go, (laughs) is the why, right? Why do you want to be mentored? And what are you hoping to gain from that mentorship relationship? If it's just access to a person, then go back to the first part of our discussion, being distracted by the shiny dangly object. But if there's actually something you want to grow in and mature in, that's really helpful to frame up what you're looking for out of that mentorship relationship. So I think that's a fantastic point I would double down on is really understand why you want to mentor and what do you hope to get out of it and be able to articulate that why. And you even want diversity in the mentors that you choose. You'll probably stay very connected to them for the long term. Like Justin was saying in the last episode, his very first mentor that he picked, he still is in contact with. But there will come a time when you've learned what you needed to learn and you'll want a new mentor, or maybe you might even have two mentors at the same time, depending on your bandwidth and how much time and effort you have to give to learning and improving. With each mentor that you pick, you want to pick someone different that offers a different set of value than the previous one did. And that's what I did throughout my career. And it was so helpful because I would pick someone's brain like Justin, and I would take everything that he could teach me. I would have another mentor who looked at problems totally differently, but was still very successful. And I would take everything that she would teach me. And I ended up, you know, over the 12 plus years that I've been in consulting and the numerous mentors or even managers that I've learned from, I took what I loved best about each of them and I emulated it for myself and my own brand. And the next thing you know, I've got 10 or 15 qualities about my brand that are representative of the different mentors that I've had and what they've taught me. You know, you take the top three things that five people taught me and I make sure that that comes through as a unique value that I add and in my brand and you're representing a blend of some of the best people and resources you've come across. You bring out a couple of really good points that I just kind of want to bubble up to the top. And that's mentors really are time bound, meaning there's a beginning and an end, right? Or they're seasonal and they can also be situationally bound. We talked about that coaching kind of relationship, but there's also a situational context in which maybe a geographical situation, it may be a a company that you work for, and then you move on from that company. And that mentorship relationship doesn't carry over to your new corporate setting. What that enables then is not only do you get the exposure, like Lindsay said, 10 great mentors who have now given you 10 great qualities and possibly a lot more than that, that you now emulate and represent in your own professional life and personal life. But you also have this board of advisors. I recently was asked to take on a new role and go to work for a new individual. And I'm fairly attached to my current 
boss. And I'm, I was kind of struggling with the idea of letting go of that boss and taking on this new opportunity and come to find out that my new boss had actually worked with one of my old leaders and one of my old mentors. And so though that mentorship relationship was no longer active because of this new opportunity that I was stepping into and the triangulation of our relationships, I actually picked up the phone and called this other person and said, Hey, I have this opportunity. It's with this individual who I know, you know, and have worked with. And I'd love to get your thoughts both about the role, the opportunity and the individual. And so though that relationship was really in that mentorship relationship was really time bound and situational and no longer active. I stepped into a situation a few years later, I needed to kind of tap back into that relationship and that connection. And for a few moments, that old mentor was mentoring me once again. So you actually get kind of a board of advisors, if you will, Mm -hmm. throughout your career. And they may not all gather in one place at one time to sit down and have a conversation with you, but they're a board that you can go back to pick up that phone, shoot that email. uh, You can get guidance. You can get advice. That's so interesting, Justin. When I was in grad school, very long time ago, 20 ish years ago, it was a master's program for organization development. And the professor, her degree was from Harvard. So I didn't go to Harvard, but she did. And the first day she said, okay, everybody, I'm going to give you, it was like arts and crafts time. She gave us poster board (laughs) and pens and construction paper. And she said, all right, I want you to do a picture of your board of directors. And I was like, stumped. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) And I also went straight from, you know, school. So I didn't have a lot of working experience except for, you know, the the random jobs in college, like waiting tables. And I didn't quite understand it. And she said, think of yourself as a company. Companies have board of directors who help advise and guide them. Who's yours? And if you don't know, that's going to be the number one thing you want to try and figure out to set yourself up for success. In your- Dang, that's a good mentor. Yeah. I thought for sure you'd gone to Harvard. So that leads us to our next point. We've been talking an awful lot about an overt mentor relationship, being an overt mentor and also seeking someone to be your mentor overtly. Sometimes the best mentors are the ones that you kind of stumble upon. They're actually kind of covert mentors. You realize suddenly, oh, huh, this is someone I'm going to quite a lot to bring my questions and my queries to get advice. There's someone I kind of try to model myself off of, not replicate, but just model someone I really respect. And they're always willing to give me the time and their treasure. Guess what? That's a mentor. So look for those two. You may be going, gosh, I need a mentor. Where's my mentor? And all along, you've got one who's walking right alongside you. They're right in front of your face and you You don't even know they're there. I would say there have been some phases in my life, even recently, where I was like, I I really miss having a mentor. And then I'm having a conversation with someone and I'm realizing, actually, I'm getting mentored right now. So be be open to those opportunities. Yeah. I just want to throw in, because we're talking a lot about making sure that you pick a mentor who's a good fit for you and how to think about that. And so recognize if you approach someone and it doesn't feel like they want to give you their time and effort. They're just not the right fit. And that's fine. You'll find out pretty quickly if somebody's not a right fit. And they may be somebody that you respect and admire, but as you approach them, you find they don't have the bandwidth or they already have maybe a full list of mentees already. That's okay. That's like an external factor that can happen to put you on the correct path to who your mentor should be. Yeah, absolutely. 
not every obstacle is a showstopper. Sometimes it's a redirection, right? It's a detour and it's a necessary detour. So I, I think as we close out this conversation, let's get it. A little tactical. We've kind of been talking at 30,000 feet. I want to just get down to brass tacks, relationship management with your mentor. Like I said, in episode one, ensure that the protege owns the relationship, that they really are coming to the table with the why, with the questions, with the outcomes they're trying to drive towards in the relationship. I just want to double down on that. If you are looking for a mentor, you need to know why, you need to know what the ask is, you need to own it. You need to own setting up the meetings you need to make sure that you're creating the right channel for those conversations to happen, whether it's Zoom, a phone call, coffees. You set the cadence. You set objectives for the conversation. Drive it, own it, take responsibility for it. That's the protege's job. The, the second thing I would say is be thankful. Likely someone who's already pretty busy, already has a lot on their plate, is creating space to spend time with you. Now, they probably want to spend time with you. It probably gives them life. They enjoy it, but still be respectful. Be thankful. They're, they're giving you a gift. They're not just giving you their advice. They're giving you their time. And time is something that you just can't get back. Make sure that you honor that time with them by being appreciative, overtly appreciative of it. I'm not saying go out and buy gifts, give them fabulous prizes for being your mentor. I'm just saying demonstrate some gratitude. And then when they do give you advice, Maybe do it. I don't know. That's, I mean, that's another way of showing gratitude. Don't yeah. ask for their expertise and their well-considered Hi. opinion mm-hmm. and then just do whatever the heck you want. You need to go back to the why then. And then the last thing I would kind of say to kind of wrap this up is make sure you come armed with some really good questions and don't talk at the theoretical level, bring them real world challenges bring them a relationship challenge. Hey, I work with this person. We communicate very differently. It's led to tension. It's starting to show up in front of the client or it's starting to show up in front of our boss or it's affecting the team dynamics. I'm struggling. Here's what I've done. What else could I do? Or, hey, I've been in consulting for a decade. I'm thinking about going to grad school. By the way, I have four small children at home and my wife has a job. I know grad school is a huge time commitment. I'm really torn between responsibility and like balance in my life and wanting to advance my career and advance my knowledge base. Can you help me think through that? Those are examples of bringing real world scenarios and some really big questions to the table with your mentor. They can be smaller. They don't have to be so grandiose. They can be much more tactical, but I think just being armed. So own your time. Be grateful. And some of that is just by saying thank you, but also some of it's by actually applying what you've learned and then come to the table with real world questions, real world scenarios that you you actually need help with. That will really frame up a great relationship with a mentor. Yeah. The summary of this episode is we've given you one ways to pick your best mentor, some of the best practices around how do you pick a good mentor who's the right fit. And the second piece is then once you've picked the mentor, you found the right person, how do you interact with them in a way that they feel it's worthwhile to be your mentor? I think that's fair. Don't be afraid to make mistakes, folks. You're going to fail at some point. So just 
jump in and give it a go. If it doesn't work, it may not be an obstacle. It may just be a redirection. That's all for today. Don't forget to head out to our website to download the tips and tricks worksheet from today's episode, download case studies, subscribe to our podcast and newsletter and more. And tune in next week for an all new episode. Thanks for listening.